Dirt, what it do, it's your boy Smooth the Black Kennedy and your boy M Dot. This is Step Into the Light, Step Into the Mic podcast. Welcome back. Um, Mr. Matt, how you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. You know, taking it, you know, doing what I need to do, you know, Word working up, with up. baby, you know, everything's going smooth, man. But we, but enough about me. We got a beautiful special guest in the building, um, Miss India. Um, wanna introduce yourself, you know, to the folks and everything like that. Tell them what's going on. Go ahead. Well, hello, everybody. Um, first of all, Joe and Matt, thank you so much for having me. Um, I was so surprised when I got the call or the DM, however, because I was like, me? what I do? But um, yeah, so just like a little short thing about me. Huh, ooh, talking about myself is hard. Let's see. Um, I own a business. I am a virtual assistant content writer for um a lot of coaches, consultants, e-commerce, that kind of that kind of jam, and podcasters too. So another reason I'm super, super glad to be on here because I love your podcast. Um, that's um, proud alumna of Bailey University, the Bailey University, sick and bears, and don't ever get it twisted. Um, <laughs> and then hmm, what else about me? When I'm not working or, yeah, when I'm not working, I'm normally hanging out with my family hanging out with my crazy nieces and nephews, or I'm singing somewhere because I do background vocals too. So yeah, that's a little bit about wait, me. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You do, you do backup vocals? I do, I do. So this, uh, uh. so well, you, I have lots of dreams and one of them is singing background. And so I actually sing in a band and I do like gigs and all that stuff like that. Oh, you know, well, if you say you sing, you don't have to hit a note real quick. Oh, oh what happened? I'm just saying, you say you sing. I'm trying to think, uh, Okay, what is uncopyrighted that you can do? Uh, I think you could do a hymn or something like that. Wait. Yeah, do um do Happy Day. Uh, oh, okay. oh, oh, yeah, okay. What is Happy Day? Ooh. Oh. Oh, Happy Day. Oh, what happened, Matt? You better go ahead oh, and do that, what? <laughs> That's from Sister Act. Yes! <laughs> I just saw that movie like six months ago for the first time. But that's a stop! No! no stop it! Stop it! No! Nope. You know what? You and your sister, I don't know. What's up with people not knowing these black movies? <laughs> I'm gonna get to that. Listen, we're black. Black, black, biggity black. You feel me? Power to the people. Black, black. I love us. At the same time, we were kind of sheltered and we weren't allowed to watch certain stuff. But we have like three top movies that we would sneak and watch when our parents weren't out of the house. <laughs> this act was not one of them. It was like Friday, next Friday, and Baby Boy. Oh my God. Really? Wait, so hold on. Wait, pause, rewind. So you're telling me you haven't seen Boys in the Hood. We saw, I saw that when I was like 17. So again, almost out the house, like past adolescence. Menace to Society? No, I don't understand any of the references or any of that. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Have you oh, seen no. Love and Basketball? Yes, I have seen that. That, now, that is a pop. Now that's an episode. I have lots of thoughts regarding that movie, but <laughs> that's a beautiful movie. It's well, it's very well written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't directed that. it. You said what? Who, who directed, directed it? I don't know. Ooh, who did that movie? It wasn't Spike Lee, was it? No. Nah. Who did that one? I don't, know. I don't know. That would be some homework. Yeah. Hey, listen, this comment. Who 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 directed the Love and Basketball film with uh, Omar Epps and the beautiful Sanaa Lathan? Please let us know. Comment when you do hear this podcast. 
Yeah, for real. I'm super curious to know. Man. Wait, so it, it, like I, I'm like compelled now to list every black movie to see if you've seen it. Bro, or not. it's it's not gonna help because I do this all the time with her sister. It it's it's not it's not gonna help. You're not gonna strike gold if that's what you're looking to do. See this? Um, let's see. Juice. I ain't seen that one. Um, I know, I know. Boomerang. Shout out to Eddie Murphy. Haven't seen that one. Um, oh my god! Just saw Coming to America last year, but you remember when they had released Coming to America too, and they did that double feature on Amazon. That's how I saw that. Um, what are the other big ones? Um, where they uh, I'm trying to oh, like where they got shot a lot. That sounds bad, but there's <laughs> a lot of movies. Uh, yeah, they got shot a lot. They got uh, shot a lot. The juices and stuff. Their president. Um, you know, you know what? Boom! That movie scared the mess out of me. That movie scared the mess out of me. I, I could see why. And I'm okay. I don't know. If this is a spoiler. Like, sorry to y'all's listeners, but I feel like this. You should already seen it. But anyways, um, the movie part or the part of the movie when uh Chris Tucker um dies and his eyes are looking that way, I was like, ooh, I'm scared. And yeah. I never Tucker the same. So. Wait, so you're telling me you never seen Harlem Nights with nope. Uh, Richard? Pro- nope, that's another one too. Yeah, Harlem Nights. People are like Harlem Nights, Richard Pryor. Have you watched? Have you seen Belly with Nas and DMX? <laughs> another one that's another one it's like juice but i haven't seen it i know i know i don't think i, I don't think a lot of people seen belly because well all right never mind a lot no, no it's i a think lot a lot of people, people have seen shadows shadows is definitely a, lot, a movie that a lot of people haven't seen does atl count boom atl and then atl atl does count because it's recent but we're talking about the old school now oh no new jack city new jack city nino oh my god all right india <sighs> me and my best friend are supposed to do like a little movie night thing sequential order thing of all the black movies but it has yet to happen but yeah but the same goes for all of my sisters like it's not just me it's my twin sister older and younger so we all collectively like <sighs> really a lot of see those movies so i just kind of missed that part of being black when i was growing up that's all right, that's Ooh, all right. lord have mercy we, we forgive you we forgive you we're gonna we're gonna get it together though <laughs> wow all right so let's let's talk about um you said uh you, you pretty much do a lot of like media work right correct about yeah, I do a lot of content writing mm-hmm. so what 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 made you want to get into that field what did you go to school for if you don't mind me asking yeah so i went to school for communication with a minor in english so oh, okay like i was literally like a bookworm nerd like my sisters would go outside and play playstation i'd be reading books series all that so like writing and reading has always been so so important to me um, and so that's pretty much how it started. And so, and also too, and I'm, I'm telling on my twin sister for a minute, but she knows I love her. Um, in high school, I wrote all of her papers. And she, <laughs> oh, yes. Wow. Oh, my first client, it, to, be, it, to be honest, she was my first ever client. And, and so um, she used to threaten me. She'd be like, just write this paper for me or, or else. And I'd be like, I'm gonna tell on you. And I'm like, how are you gonna tell on me? <laughs> what is but her? I, but at the same time, this is actually where I found my, found my niche. I found that writing is just not some folks' strong suit and like just the concept of whether it's structured writing, creative writing, yeah. writing, et cetera, it's just not their suit. So I always wanted to help people in the writing area that just, they just weren't writing. So like my 10th sister, I'm like, she's not good at writing, but like ROTC, she was a beast. Like she was telling them what to do. So I'm like, for me, I can't, I couldn't see her like fail and essentially not uh, graduate high school because it's something like writing. So that pretty much is where it started. And then yeah, throughout college, I was uh, India. Did you read the chapter last night? Okay, what happened? And then in my career, when I started my business, I was like, okay, India, what are you good at that comes naturally easy to you that you can 
help other people with. And I was like, oh, content writing, duh. And so it kind of like, it kind of just clicked for me, thankfully. I mean, I had reflected on it, did research on it as far as the industry I'm in, but it clicked for me because I was like, India, just sharpen your skills and what you already know how to do instead of trying to create something that you know you're either A, not going to like, or B, not going to do as well as you could do when you're working in your zone of genius. Mm-hmm. So, so when you said, you know, reading, you know, that's something that you, you hold dear. What's your top three favorite books? Ooh, I know why the cage bird sings. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, this one, next one's a child's book, but it's a really good one, but uh, a series of unfortunate events. like that. Oh boy. Hey, oh, nice. Don't, don't. All right. That's what's up. Um, and then also, um, oh, and then a business book traction is very, very good. Oh, wow. Jackson's really, really good too. So yeah, I would say those are like my top three books right now. Okay. So out of series of unfortunate events, which book was your favorite one? The first one, because I love an origin story. I okay, got yeah. where it came from. That's my whole thing with superhero movies. If you don't tell me to watch Black Panther 10, because I if I <laughs> um, but I love a good origin story. It's like the first one was really, really good. And also I just as a kid, I felt bad for those kids who had no parents you know and so like yeah. stories always get to me but as I, I read that when I was like eight or nine years old and they, they, they were like eight nine ten eleven twelve years old so that one was like the best one okay all right that's what's up mm-hmm. I think mine was the 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 slippery slope which might have been book number eight yeah, that was la- like way, way later in the series. Yeah, it was, yeah, because be- prior to that one, it was uh, the Carnivorous Carnival, I believe. Yep, and then Lemony Snicket took a break. He took a break from writing, and then he, yeah, he like, did the other ones too, because it was such, I remember Barnes and Noble, that was my place, okay? And so I was there all the time. I remember it had come, it had came out, and I was like, Mommy, can you please get this book for me? And that was when I started collecting books too, like for real, for like, So you knocked out the Harry Potter series too, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I understood. Did you watch? You watched the movie though. I did. I did. Oh, okay. So I kind of cheated a little bit, but I oh, yeah. like, I don't know. ABC Family, but I did read the first two books. They were good, but I was just like, eh, I'm done that book. Okay, that's what's up. Yeah. Mm. So, all right. So your business, right? When did you realize that it was time for you to? opened up your own business. I mean, whatever gig that you had prior to was not kicking it. Uh-huh. You took matters into your own hands. What brought you to that point? Um, a lot of thought before my 25th birthday. So normally every year um, before my birthday, because my birthday is in August. So like July 1 through July, July 31, I normally reflect a lot. I reflect a lot. I write a lot pray a lot, all that good stuff. And I really look at, okay, India, what in your last year worked? Let's keep doing that. And what didn't necessarily work and how can you pivot? And so I was at a point in my life where I was like, all right, India, you like your job. You don't love it, but you like it. Like, and this is the thing too, like I think my entrepreneurial, I guess, yeah, my entrepreneurial journey is a little bit different. I didn't hate where I was in life. Um, I liked my job all that good stuff no like major problem problems I would say but I just had um just had this voice and it was like there's got to be more and I remember this specifically I had the same dream three days in a row so um gotta be talking to me my dreams um I totally believe in the power of dreams I believe um I believe like the more vivid they are for my personal dreams the more they're going to come to pass in some way shape or form and I had this same dream 
um, three days in a row. And I was uh, support, I was on a meeting and I was supporting folks and they were going across the seas. Um, and it was like, I was helping somebody in London in one of the dreams. And then the next dream, it was somebody in America. And then the next dream, it was somebody in Canada. Very, very vivid. And I was like, all right, God, what does this mean? What does this mean? And so that's when I started researching. Um, and that's when the thought had come in my head of virtual support. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? What does that look like? Like, is it scammy? Like, cause I don't have time for it. And so that's when I started doing the research and that's when I started going into overdrive. And then I came up with a plan and I was like, okay, I think this is looking good. But I was like, let me pray on it to be sure. Cause I needed some type of confirmation too. Like I had, like were my dreams, I have dreams and then I wake up and I'm like, okay, was that a dream or what was that? But I needed confirmation. So after I pretty much got a confirmation from God, I was like, okay, all right. So how is this going to work with my regular job? Because uh, if it fails, I still, they want rent every month. So I still need to come up with the income. Right. And so that was, um, that was when everything started. And so, yeah, it was like, it was probably like the month of my 25th birthday. And then I guess the rest is history. That sounded so cliche, but. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happened though. That's, yeah, essentially yeah. that's what happened. But it was hard. It was, it's not like uh, for all y'all out there thinking like it's easy to start a business or like follow your dream or do it. Actually, super hard, guys. If you guys didn't know that, because you have to literally rely on faith. Like you got to take a big leap and actually trust your gifts, your talents, your skills, and all those good things. And sometimes that's that's not easy. Like my first quarter, my first two quarters, I had like the biggest bout of imposter syndrome. I was like, girl, I don't know who you think you are. I don't know. Mm. I don't know why you. I don't know why you're doing this, but there was also that voice in the back of my head. But it was like, but you're you're doing it though. So just keep yeah. It. And so that's kind of what has kept me going. So what you what you started your business right? Um, how effective was having a support system to kind of guide you and really build you up? So and give you that that reference of mind, like don't give up. Oh, extremely, extremely. I'm big on like having a village around you because sometimes they hold you up when you can't hold yourself up. And so for me, I remember I told my sister, my twin sister, I told my big sister, I told my best friend. So I told them three, those are like my three, like those are my ace one boom coon partners. And they all were like, good job, boo. Like that's what I'm talking about. And I was just like, really? Cause I'm actually really <laughs> But they, they have been like the ones, and of course like my parents, all that good stuff. But like those are like my core support system. They've literally held me up. And when they tell me, oh, no, I'm not gonna cry right now. Whoa, woo, that's really back. <laughs> no, we're not doing that today. Yep, yeah, we are. Yeah, go ahead, let it out. No, we good, but- Show but, your appreciation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like when they tell me things like I'm so proud of you or they just send me like prayers or affirmations and stuff like that. It's like they see me even when I don't say what I'm going through, like in my business or something like that, because, again, like it's not easy. And so like having that support system is so, so important. So because I know that they're for me, you know what I mean? Like even if like, God forbid, even if my business failed, they would still be for me just because they are that supportive and loving and caring about me. And that I'm just like. Me? Little old me? Well, thank you. I'm grateful. So, yeah, it's very, very important. That's good. That's good. That's really good. Um, so, you started your business how long ago now? Because it it's fairly relatively new, right? Or fairly yeah. relatively, relatively new. About a year and a half. A year and a half. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll say for so, real. 
I'm gonna say for real, for real, because I've been doing what I do. Uh, I'm 26. Now, for real. Wow, he's very young. Oh, thank you. For real, for real, not including my twin sister. I've seriously been doing content writing and assisting for people since I was like 19. So I've been doing it for a while, but I legitimize it as far as like paperwork, business account, all that type of stuff as like a year and a half ago. Okay. Yeah. Cause word on the street is, you know, you, people was paying you to do, to do some work for them. Oh, what streets? Oh, that's, I mean, I don't know what street I stumbled upon some street and they was like, you know, India for them. She'd be doing papers for the low. You feel me? Or used to somewhere. I, don't know. I, I wish you were around during my undergrad. <laughs> I mean, you can drive down the street, it's fine. But no, yeah, that's true. It really is true. Because, and that's the thing too, I would do, um, I would do essay editing. I would do pre-writing, all that type of stuff, especially for a lot of undergrads. And then, um, yeah, once, once again, my twin sister, she was overseas and she was like, I need your help, but you're not here. And I was like, well, I mean, if you email me the assignment, I should have been looking over for you. And then we would have virtual sessions and things like that. And so that turned into, hey, I have a friend. And then, hey, I have a friend and then have a friend. So it kind of, I mean, a lot of my clients, especially my content clients, word of mouth referrals. And yeah. so, yeah, so yeah, they've been driving down my street. Ooh. But that's dope though, because that means that your work is speaking for, for itself, Absolutely. right? And you're building this clientele without any promotion, right? It's just, hey, y'all need to hit up such and such. She is going to knock this joint out the park, you feel me? That's the crazy part too. Like, because again, I told y'all like, I'm a nerd. So like grades matter to me only because um, in the society in which we live and A, heavy air quotes on that, reflects excellence, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it would matter a lot to quote unquote, get an A for these folks because they trusted me so much with my knowledge and skills. And I guess my um, expertise in writing and forming like a quote unquote essay, yeah. but never wanted them to think that they were less than or that they couldn't do it themselves you just need a little bit extra support you know what i mean and that's pretty much my entire um my business kind of i guess motto if you will um you can do it it's just nice to have some support as well and so that's where i come in to support you where you need support i'm going to be utilizing your services over the next <laughs> year, so absolutely just, yeah i'm i'm already sold so i'm <laughs> too funny it's too <laughs> So speak about, you know, you said you went to Baylor University, prestigious Baylor University. Uh, speak about how that how that kind of shaped you and formed you into the person you are now. Ooh, it was the first time I had to be a big girl for real, for real. Um, like, because, so I'm a twin, right? So, and thankfully me and my twin sister are, we are again, a spoon coon. That's my first best friend. We shared an apartment, AKA the womb together. Mm. So we were always in the <laughs> And so, you know, senior year of high school comes around and we have two totally different paths. Like I'm, I was, I've been college bound since to pre-kindergarten and she went up, she's military bound. So I was like, oh man, this means I got to go out. I got to be independent for real, for real. I got to find my own friends. I got to make my own decisions. And on top of that, I had no, I didn't have my parents either. Um, but at the same time, I actually found myself um, in being in that season of my life. So of course, college, a lot, a lot of things come with college, especially in the dynamic that you go. But um, for me, it really allowed myself to be like, okay, India, who are you outside of the shadow of your twin sister or your sisters or your parents? Who are you? And so I really started to like do some soul searching, some digging, find out what I like, find out what I didn't like. And so that was a really, really big time for me just because I was like, girl, it's just you. I mean, your roommate, God bless my roommates. But 
girl, this is you for real, for real. It's not, it's not Brianna in India or Talai in India or Aja in India, those are my sisters, but it's just India. And so it forced me to step up basically and really become the young woman that my mentors and my mother and my parents had taught me to be. Wow. So did you, did, when you, when you went to Bella, did you get like a culture shock going to that university? Cause <laughs> like, just say, just explain the dynamic when you went there. Yeah, a little bit. So um this this you know you want to know the number one shock was to me and it was so sad this i'm about to tell y'all about some like low-key covert race but anyways <laughs> oh shit i remember i i was a freshman and my dad's um my dad had invited me to like this uh social gathering that he did and um but it was near waco and uh my dad was like this is my baylor girl right here and they go oh my god what sport do you play let's take a time out Everybody time out. Um, for all your listeners who can't see me, I'm gonna describe my body type, okay? Uh, not skinny, okay? I'm not skinny. I'm a little, what they call thick, quote, quote, these days. Um, and I, I couldn't do sport. I'm not gonna say to save my life. I can swim to save my life. Basketball, I'm cheering. Football, I'm cheering. <laughs> and I don't even mean a cheerleader. I mean in the stands. Like, so like off rip, like I don't look like an athlete, right? But the thing about it is every black person that was at Baylor was like almost assumed to be an athlete because it's a PWI. Wow. I mean, like, oof, Lord Jesus. Like, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy. Like, the, the, the physical place on campus that we used to hang out was called Little Africa. Like, because that's, oh, oh, we, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wait, hold on, hold on. So, so wait, say what, it, explain what PWI is because you, you gave an acronym, but say what it is. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So PWI is a predominantly white institution. And so that means that um, they were founded by Wahide people and um, either they, sorry. <laughs> and when she, and, and, and people listen to Wahite does not, oh. we're not talking about a native indigenous tribe. We're talking about white folks. No, it's a, it's a different pronunciation of white, but no, the white people. So it normally means that, yeah, it was definitely founded by white people. And then uh, to take it a step further, uh, they probably more than likely your average PWI just started accepting black people in like 1950s, 1960s, right after the civil rights era. Um, and so, yeah, like my, the first black Baylor graduate, like just passed maybe like, mm, I want to say in the last decade. Wow. What? They, they did not grad, like the first black graduate of Baylor University was like 1970 something. Like it was in the seventies. Oh yeah. Wow. So, and so, but that's, you know, I say that to say this, those are the types of things that go through your head as you're experiencing a culture shock. People ask you what sports you play, even though you don't even freaking look like you play sports or they ask you, um, you know, um, just, oh, like, uh, like, not why are you here, but like, why are you here? You know, every single black person on campus. And you, I mean, in one way, it's great because you build a community, you know, right. all that, because it's, it's, <laughs> baby, it's about 300 of us out of 15,000. We have no option but to be united. So but, the percentage of black people is probably less than 1% then? More than likely. I want to say our actual, wow. don't even, let me get to line. I, I graduated um, like years ago, but I want to say it was like 8% of us. But get this, get this, Matt. Out of the 8%, I want to say it was like 4% were there for um, sports, right? So folks like myself who are strictly there for academics, three to 4% at best. Mm, wow. You know what I mean? So like, honestly, like you can count like, so of course I'm probably the only black person in my class, but in an auditorium style class, of like 400 people, you know, for like, you know, intro to world oceans, you can see the sprinkle of black people and you have one me regular clothes, the one over there in the soccer, oh, not the soccer jersey, the basketball jersey, 
and the one over there in the football jersey. And it's like, hey guys, what's up? It's just us. <laughs> but that, I mean, that becomes your normal. And so that was a shock to me only because um, even, you know, I'm from California, we're a little more liberal out there, but also we're more mixed. Like even where I'm from, um, yeah. I'm from the black community of uh, black people, uh, Asian people, you know, Hispanic people and everything, but the people of color I saw at my undergraduate school, it was a little more of sprinkles, if you will. And they're working on it now, as far as, you know, uh, bringing more people with diversity in there. But when I was there, like, I got asked like two times, oh, what sport do you play? I was like, the academic decathlon? Like, what do you expect? <laughs> do I even, like, I could do shot put because I'm thicker, but that's it. But um, other than that, as far as cultural shock, the South, that was a cultural shock too. Um, oh yeah, I, yeah, I can imagine um like freely talking hey girl you don't even know my name you just saying hello um so that was that was a good thing too so I mean there were some like things about you know undergrad but at the same time the south very nice people very welcoming that kind of thing so southern hospitality is a thing so that was a big culture shock too so Bella is in Texas right it is okay now when you were did they have the divine nine the black greeks and sororities fraternities so that's the one part about my bio that I didn't tell you. I'm a proud member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. So mm. to answer the question, yes. Wow. Was, yeah. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that wow. was like us. We made like a little mini pact to stay united to like in the Greek community because Greeks, um, sometimes the perception from non-Greek people is that we beefing all the time and our founders beefed and not really actually we're here for unity and so uh at baylor again that now that was less than one percent were, were greek people so yeah we had a strong sense of unity while i was at school yeah because wow. did y'all have everybody there so we had um we had i'm trying to see when i was here we had alphas aka's zetas deltas as rose were coming as i was graduating so like okay. they made like the year after i graduated um and then we had on the male side, we had, well, I already said alphas, we had sigmas, kappas, omegas through the grad chapter. Mm. And that was it. And once, yeah, once we had like seven out of the nine. Okay. That's not bad for, for it to be at a PWI. It's not. And uh, that, that's a lot. Yeah, we made history at the school too, just because um, it started with us. We were the first. Um, we were the first multicultural organization on the campus. Um, but again, 1979. So once again, all this, all this stuff for like black people, multicultural people came way later. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, we were chartered in 1979 and then everybody else came in like the nineties. So again, like these huge wow. gaps of, you know, impact, but you know, when it was made, it pretty much stayed. So we had a lot of people, but you know, I, I mean, not down the street, but like down the highway, we have Prairie View and HBCU. Mm -hmm. We have, um, we have like Jarvis, we have Wiley, you know, other HBCUs that we, um, that we can connect with and then we had other schools down 35 um the highway that we live on um to also connect with as well so you know you why 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 did you not choose to go to an hbcu you know what and this is another thing too that i'll make sure my children know about i wasn't even educated about hbcus like i didn't know oh. they were y'all i didn't know what they were like i probably like like in the same vein of me not being educated about like black movies and stuff um, I was not, I did not know about HBCU. So like, I just didn't know, like my, I was like, for me specifically, Harvard was pushed, Baylor was pushed, USC, UCLA, those big name quote unquote sweatshirt schools. Um, they were always pushing me. So I was like, what is a Howard? What is a, what is a Prairie View? What is a Wiley? What is a, uh, you know, I don't know what that is. 
And so, but also at the same time too, you know, geographically speaking, HBCUs stop at Texas. So yeah. if you don't have anybody in your, right. in your family that is from the South and or HBCU life, yeah. if you're from like New Mexico and on, it's a toss up if you really know about them or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, just, I, was, I was gonna say that like to your defense, Oh yeah. None of the HBC. You're you're you wasn't close to any of the HBCUs at all. Um yeah. and you're not the you're not the first person that I've met from somewhere on the West Coast oh, where yeah. you know they didn't know anything about HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Not to take away from, you know, their black identity or anything like that, but they had no idea. And this, you know what I'm saying? If you if you was never raised in that culture. Absolutely. You know, then it's like, all right, you all right, cool. But it's dope that they find out about it, you know, but not a lot of people know. So so you could have went to Harvard. <laughs> I didn't apply, but I wanted to though, actually. I wanted to just to say I got in. Like just to be like, I got in a Harvard. Wow, that's amazing. But um, but no, I didn't, uh, I didn't apply. I was just like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But at this I time, already yeah, you definitely could have, definitely could have got in. But at this time I had already fallen in love with my school. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to this school or, or nothing else. And so, yeah. All right. So let me hit you with this question, right? Cause I, one of the episodes, especially when, we, uh, when me and Joe was talking about, you know, interracial stuff, we brought up a, a lot of different terms like tokenism, you know, bed wench and all that other stuff. Did you did you did you experience tokenism while you were at uh, PWI Baylor University? Yeah. So tokenism being you asked me because I'm the only black person in class. Yeah. Yes, all the time. Not all the time. I would say I would say a good thirty percent. So <laughs> here's a, here's the thing about me. So so I'm a girl. Obviously, I'm a black woman, right? The mm-hmm. number one thing I always got asked about hair. Wow. So. Your hair grew. I pressed it. Oh my God. What? I, can I, no, you cannot touch my hair. I am not a museum artifact. You can't wow. Your greasy fingers in my hair. That's a, it's, uh, I can't, I can't lie. That's a pet peeve. Like, don't, t- you don't, you don't see me asking to touch your hair. Why are you touching my hair? Like, and no, but the thing about it is, and I will say, Southern people, God love you. Y'all are bold. Y'all will just go, oh my God, look, and you'll reach your hand out and put your your fingers in my head. That don't work. Are you sick? They touching the crown? The crown. Come on. My salons don't touch my crown. Like, oh yeah. yeah. I had a girl at work. I was at work. She's like, oh my God, look at your hair. And I was like, oh, look at it. And I, that is- <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yo, I had to duck weave and dodge her. Um, but I would say that's probably as far as like tokenism goes, they would ask me definitely about my hair, hairstyles, um, why women, why, why black women do what we do. And I'm like, quite frankly, because we're dope and our hair has the ability mm. to push it up. You feel me? Um, mm. So. But it was, but you know, and this is the interesting thing too, especially when it comes to like interracial dating, I would have a lot of white men ask me, what, what is that with your hair? What is that? I like it when y'all do this, but it confuses me when y'all do that. What is that? <laughs> but, because, but, and this is the thing about it too, because I don't know, my therapist says it's a gift, but I have, I have the ability to connect with a lot of different people. And so that being said, people tell me about they, they lives and they innermost thoughts, which is fine. But the white men- Oh, uh, I know where this is going. <laughs> you know so the white men who asked me about my hair it was because they had an interest in dating black women they just yep. didn't know how to either say it yep. they didn't know how to 
approach the situation and also ooh, and this one too whoo let me calm down let's talk about this oh, i um i'm very joyful right i'm you know your lord's my strength thankfully but they would ask me about the quote-unquote angry black woman syndrome he would ask me like is it true he would that- ask about that Baby, yes. Oh, yes. Like, and again, again, like this is my thing with tokenism and just uh, crossing racial lines in general. I'm always open to have the conversation if you want to be educated. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I'm, I'm down for that. I will educate you on why I want to twist my hair one day and take it down or why I'm offended when you say the N-word in a song. Don't say that. Like, I, yeah, like don't do that. But it's because if I if I can tell your spirit is that you actually want to learn about uh, our culture so you can understand us better and then re- treat me with respect, equality and, and offer me the same opportunities. Oh, we can talk all day. But if you're going to be malicious, I'm just going to ignore you all day. I'm not going to ignore you, but I'm going to... Um, what does my grandmama say? I'm a, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a nice, nasty to you. So I'm gonna tell you about it, but I'm gonna tell you about yourself and why you shouldn't ask me that question. So, um, yeah, no, but I had these white men. So to go back to what I was saying, I had these white men ask me about women, black women, and how we are because the stereotypes are that you know, change your hair all the time, we buy all this weave and all sorts of type of stuff, and that we're angry and attitudes. And I'm like, actually, we be joyful all the time. Like we be joyful, we be happy. We love life just like you love life. And if we want to switch our hair, we want to switch our hair. And if we want to do this, we want to do that. But I would get those cultural questions because I was the only black person in sight um, or in a, a radius. And on top of that, not all of us are playing sports, guys. Some of us are just here because we like math. Like, that's the thing, too. Like, like, you watch the game? Nope. I don't even watch it. And it's crazy that you're talking about this. I, 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 got, a, I got a slight anecdote to talk about yeah. real quick. So... I work in I work in law enforcement and um one of my guys he's a good he's a good friend I mean he's not like his questions weren't malicious or whatever he really just didn't know like he was asking me like about Black Lives Matter and yes. all this stuff and I I just had to like really sit down with him close my door close my office door and really have a conversation with him about him I'm like yo I'm like you gotta understand where this organization is coming from and what they're fighting for like you have to really kind of see from their eyes just because the media is portraying them in a certain light doesn't mean that's the correct way to portray them mm-hmm. i was like you know I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna brief you on a little history right here Here, look at what they're fighting for they're fighting for you know police repa- police brutality equal rights you know those type of things that are still we still have to fight for to this day you know like deontay Wilder to this day like stuff is still going on so i i think it's good to have those type of conversations with people you know of different races because to be honest you know white folks don't they don't know, but then they play these games like they don't know. But you know, they really do need to be educated on these certain topics. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I agree. Like, and that's the thing about it too, because the um, kind of funny, but you can tell the tone of their voice if they're being condescending or not. Absolutely. They, like, I had a coworker. She actually, when a lot of the stuff in 2020 was happening with the riots and things like that, she texted me and she was like, "If I've ever made you feel." anything other than a human being like respected like I apologize and thankfully she was good so I was like but again she opened herself up to learn I was like I can appreciate and respect that wholeheartedly um but there are some people who they just they act like bedwinch isn't a bad word or they act like black facing isn't bad and it's like no those are not it's not cool don't do that um and so yeah that's that's the biggest thing about having the conversation like I will talk to you and let you know um, why you can't say that like don't do that or don't say that like just just like in a um in a faith-based act like you don't 
you don't do that to Islamic people. You don't do that to Buddhists. You don't Absolutely. do that. You know, like in the same like vein of respect, like we should be able to coexist in a respectful manner. And especially in the place of all places, heavy air quotes on a melting pot that America is supposed to be, this should be the ground for those conversations, that respect and that coexistence. But we find that this is actually, a, a, it's an interesting place where it doesn't always happen. Yeah, it, it, it's super interesting, right? Like, yeah, you're right. America should be the country where integrating races and, you know, being multicultural right. is, you know, the pro- progressive thing to do in America, right? Or it should be, you know, all over the world. Right. But, you know, it's like on the opposite spectrum of it. Like, you know, we was talking about it before. You know, we get more love overseas. Um for being a black man or a black woman than we do in the states wow I, that's... I mean i'm telling you it's it's, it's really it's, it's really noticeable and you feel it like it's I, like for for example i went home i went i, I flew back to uh to the states mm-hmm. maybe the first, uh, after the first six, seven months that I was in Spain, right? Uh, my sister was graduating high school. So I flew back home, but I got so used to being out in Spain, like the -hmm. feeling of being able to walk down the street and not have to look over my shoulder or worry about the, you know, the police messing with me or getting behind me while I'm driving or something. And just, you know, little stuff like that. I didn't have to worry about people looking at me funny because I am a black man. The only time I did feel weird is when they would look in like more of like in awe in a sense, like wow, like that's a that's a like that's a black American, like that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? But when I flew back to the states, as soon as I got off the plane, I lie to you not. The first thing that came to my mind was, oh shit, I'm back at home. Now I have to be on my toes. Wow. Mm. That's a terrible feeling to have, you know what I'm saying? Just to come back to, you know, where you're from. Mm -hmm. And that's the first thing that came to my mind, at least. I I can't speak for everybody else, but, you know, you you would think that I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I'm I'm home. I get to go see my family now. No, the first thing that I thought about was police and me being back in America as a black dude. Sheesh. So, yeah. um, I can, oh, I, I can only imagine just because I it's mean different. It, it's different for us because I feel like we fear for different things as women than you do like than y'all do as men you know so mm-hmm. it's like like fear is fear but it's like what you fear is so different especially in the socio-political climate that we live in oh, so yeah. you hear that like I mm. feel like I really really do because mm, Lord Jesus that's that's wild. And the thing about it is, I, I thought that was a myth, like how we apparently get more love like when we're gone or whatever, whether it's overseas or to another country or city or what have you. I didn't know that was real. Um, and I thought that it was, I actually thought that was just like a myth, not a myth, but um, yeah, like a myth basically actually when um, when you go to places uh, like Asia, like apparently like, like they don't see black people often. So they're like, can I take a picture with you? Can I take yeah. a picture with you? And um, I've heard that. I've only experienced that once, but that was because I was at a conference and folks from Japan had come over here. Mm-hmm. And can I take a picture with you? Like, and I was again in a room full of white people and they wanted to take a picture with me. And I was like, me? 
they're like but but again like that like that i'm fine with like i don't know those people got well i have their email but god bless them but again like i like i got to be part of exposing you to something new like that's super cool to me but um yeah i just when it comes to the actual fear of like being your own skin like sometimes that's a real thing and that is just sometimes unimaginable but it's real Mm. you know definitely real definitely real but hey, you know, this is one of those things that, um, you know, I think that everybody has to pretty much work out in their life, right? Like, I don't, I don't, like, racism and all that stuff, you know, being biased, I feel like those things are taught, and that's what's, you know, absorbed into any person's mind at a young age, right? And it's on the parents um, to, you know, teach their child you know the right and wrong way to treat somebody that doesn't look like them you know because it's only if i mean if we've been honest it's only one race and that's the human race right um and i feel like i feel like me and you had a conversation about that before um you and matt or me and you me and you i was somehow we, when we was over at, when we was in Texas, I think we had mentioned, we had touched on something like that. It, I don't think it was for long. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, yes. So like I was saying, it's only one race, right? And that's the human race. Um, the world would be so much more better if everybody worked together, right? Like imagine if never everybody happen. got along. Ooh. Everybody got along. That'll never happen. Uh, but Matt- just imagine, you know what I'm saying? Do you believe that that um, that the world benefits from conflict? Absolutely. If there was no conflict, there would the, there would be no money. You know, because you got you got to look at it right. Mm-hmm. If we were all able to like the ninety nine percent, regardless of race, right? We all able to kind of get together and just say we're gonna stop this. The one okay. percent would have a, would have a fit because we're not doing what they need us to do, which is work, be mindless drones, and continue this life. You know what I mean? Don't go into entrepreneurship. Continue to work. You know our money goes to paying the government, whatever the case may be. I think it's just, we're at this point where it's just like, as black people, right? I don't think I can just neglect 400 years of slavery and neglect, you know, uh, race riots and neglect uh, KKK and the injustices that's been brought upon us all this time. I, I just can't, I can't let that go. Maybe that's just me being me, but it's just something where it's like, they've had so much time to advance and prepare. And it's just like, we're still like way, way, way back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'll never forget when, you know, I had this one professor that was that from, from my graduate class. And he told me, and I asked him, I say, do you think, you know, what is your thoughts on integration, right? And, and with the civil rights and everything. He said, integration killed the black man. And the reason being why he said that, right, is because if you look at it, during that time, if you were in your own black community, you were able to build your businesses and everything like that. You would support your community. Now, if you integrate, you know, the dominant society is going to take that one popular black man, that intellectual, that intelligent black man, pluck him from his society and put them in their society where he can co-mingle and everything. He's going to forget about his, his, his hood, his ghetto, his environment. He's going to go live in their environment, in their suburbia, and then just continue to make them money and continue to work for them. So, that's, that's how I think my thinking is. And it's to me, I'm like, I, I don't know. I just don't think we, we can get to a point where everybody is is commingling to there's no racism, no hate, because it's just I just I just don't think it'll ever happen. No, it won't. Mm, so, OK, so are you familiar with um, 
oh, what are they called? Oh, like Pan-Africanism and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what are your thoughts on the idea of like, we need to have our own banks on basically a Tulsa, except Tulsa's everywhere. No, I, I, I agree. I think um, as, as a black people, I think we do need to do something like that, but I just don't think, I just, and I don't like, I don't like talking bad about our folks, man, but I just don't think our mindset is there yet. Okay. Because if, if you look at, I'm from, I'm from New York. I'm from Spring Valley, New York, right? Every time I always go back and because I got still got family there, you know what I mean? And I just look, you know, and we have a they have a strong if you got you guys know what Hasidic Jews are, right? You got have you guys seen a Hasidic Jew, like a, a Orthodox Jewish person? You know, they wear the garments, they have the, the curly, curly sideburns or whatever. Mm-hmm. They they're very resourceful and they own, you know, half of or even even more, majority of Spring Valley Village in New York. And what they do is they keep the money and they keep the buildings to their kind. They don't allow. I heard like, that huge in New York. Yeah, and it's it's and and it's crazy because Spring Valley is made up, you know, majority Haitian, you know, which is me, and then the majority Jewish and and Spanish, like uh, Mexican um, and Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. But the Jewish people they have they have waited so long. Now they own a lot of the new property. They own a lot of the new development developments that's happening in the in the community, and you know it's like. They're, it's going to be a point in time where they're like forcing the Haitians out because they're going to make, they're going to skyrocket the price, like gentrification. And it's going to allow them to own that, that area, own that, own that whole area because they keep everything in house. Right, like right. I'll never forget this. And it's, and my, my wife, she's Filipino, right? Mm-hmm. Her mom was, was looking for like a new doctor. Right. And then her, her, she was like, Oh, why don't you go to this doctor or whatever? She's like, nah, I got, I got to go to a Filipino doctor. And yeah. it's like, it's still that same thing. And like, we we never we never will never get to that point in time where we just keep everything everything black doctors black yeah yeah it's just it's just crazy because we're 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 the biggest consumer of everything and we just we we never can put that money into you know uh black items or black things because there's not really a lot like you can't find a black grocery store around here Mm -hmm. that'd be pretty difficult to find right because i don't know if you guys ever seen you ever watch um killer mike did a special on netflix yeah right where he was just what's it good no, yeah. it was really good. Have, have you watched it, India? You haven't watched it. I haven't watched it, but I heard there. There's like a whole Netflix list I have that I got to get to yeah. it. Oh, we I got to do. So you, you got said, a lot of catching up to do. I do. I black. Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> just, just to give a quick a little synopsis of an episode, he had he had where he had to like a 24 hours. He just had to buy black. Like he couldn't he couldn't ride the bus unless it was a black owned bus company. He couldn't you know, buy food unless it was from black owned store. It was a lot of things. And he was very challenged in that because, and he was in Atlanta. Was, was he in Atlanta? Yeah, he was in Atlanta. Yeah. So like from Atlanta or like something in Georgia or something like that. Yeah. And, and that's the black Mecca. So yes. it was, that was even difficult for him to find those type of resources in that community. So imagine trying to find it in Delaware or wherever, trying to just find all those communities that are just relatively available for black folks. It's very difficult. It's not going to happen. So, I, th- I think it's just, I think it'll take time. I think people are starting to wake up a little bit more, but I think it's just, it takes a collective. Like every time they always talk about, you know, when ca- when they're campaigning, they always say, yeah, we need to pick a candidate that's for black folks. And, l- and look at this, look at the dumb ish, you know, people voted for Sleepy Joe and sleep- look what Sleepy Joe's doing. You know what I mean? And then Sleepy Joe even said out his mouth on the breakfast club. If you, if you, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. How's a white man going to tell me? How's a white man going to tell me I'm not black? That don't that don't even make sense. <laughs> and then the Breakfast Club, they eating it up like, oh yeah, Sleepy Joe. That's right. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> what happened? Boy, <laughs> <on>, man. <laughs> okay, because you know I'm, a, I'm again I'm a communications major. I 
I, thankfully, I use my degree almost every no, day. No, but but yeah, but if going going with the communications part, that's great media, and that's great. That's a great clickbait thing to talk about because then it gets people to say like, think about like, mm, if the if Charlemagne the God and Sleepy Joe and Angela Lee and DJ MB are saying that if I don't vote for him, I'm not black. I got I got vote for Sleepy Joe. It's it's an interesting thing just because I, I mean because I heard about that and then of course like you know Breakfast Club I like the Breakfast Club and so they do think pieces talk pieces on it and so first of all like again like again from a communications marketing perspective his campaign manager I'm like okay I, I think we should do a little bit more press uh press junket training because uh uh-uh, like the Olivia Pope in me was like uh-uh. <laughs> I love me some scandal I whoo that's my show right there I will watch it to this day but really and truly like when it comes to politics because it's such a mm, it's such a game you know the stuff you say will either be used against you or for you or uh it'll be saved for later like it's literally for you against you or saved and so when he said that i was like mm, that to me that was i'm not gonna say it was equivalent but do y'all remember when uh when hillary clinton on breakfast club was like i got hot yeah, sauce in my got hot sauce. Like, no, see, that's what you she said what she said what she had she had hot sauce in her bag so what, she get she get that from Beyonce. Yeah. So so the same time that Hillary Clinton was running for office was when Formation was popular. So oh, you know, okay. For copywriting reasons, I won't sing it. But you know, I got hot sauce in my bag swag, and so she was like, "I got hot sauce in my bag. Why would you?" Hillary? And this is and this is the pro and this is the problem with black folks. Like they eat up those little tidbits or popular celebrities endorsing when it's like this celebrity makes forty million dollars. Whatever this lawmaker puts in effect. It's not going to change their life at all. So I think as a, as okay. I think as a collective, you know, we we need to pull our money and put it into the correct candidate because every other community does it. LGBTQ community they're very good at putting money into a candidate that's going to enforce the laws that respectively is going to help and aid them. Asian community is very good at that. Latino community is very good at that. They always do that with a, with a person they're going to back. Black people, they will never do that, and they never have, and they never will. And I don't know what the hell is about but they, every candidate i've always seen they never push and then got and i love barack obama i'm about to just go on a rant i love barack obama but god damn that man did not do a thing for black folks and i swear to bob that's the that's the one thing that they're gonna say well we gave y'all a black president i mean that he ain't do nothing for y'all what y'all think we're gonna do for you nothing well i was you know, the interesting thing is, and um, I try to, uh, uh, politics are, they're difficult in general, but I try to be aware of what's going on. I think what people um, sometimes miss is that your local laws actually affect you more. Than Absolutely. Than the presidential. Yep. Like, Absolutely. like don't, don't get me wrong. Like, like because of the, the shape of our government, right? You know, uh, executive, judicial. Um, Legislative. Thank you. Whew, thank you. <clears throat> Those branches, like they're formed or whatever. At the same time, the constitution i won't say it's con- no not the constitution the other legal documents of america they have the same thing on a state level and so the thing about it is like again your your local and state and, and municipal laws affect you quite literally more like that's the thing about um hold on that's the thing about i'm gonna use the word that's not gonna get you um bent um that's the thing about the apple laws right now you get what i'm saying okay. yeah apple yeah. So that's yeah. the thing with Texas. We're dealing with laws about apples, right? And mm-hmm. if you wanna, um, if you wanna, um, if you want to um, uh, have your green apples or not have your green apples. And so that's the thing about it. It's like that would affect me as a woman living in the state of Texas right. more than 
President Biden saying, I don't know what I'm trying to think. I, saw, I feel like I saw the news this morning when he was saying something about um, uh, the Spirit Airlines. Does that make sense where I'm going? Would, um, I, if, I say, if I say Spirit Airlines, do you know the other airline that's better than Spirit Airlines? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I'm going. Sorry, yes. I'm trying to not use yes. words that y'all don't get flagged. So I got you. you understand what I'm saying? But at the same time, if I go to if I go to um, if I go to my local uh, store or local bank or whatever have you, those laws will affect me more. You know what I'm saying? I and agree I with you. My community um, or just communities in general. Like again, like they have. Um, nationalistic pride with themselves, like Filipino people, Chinese people, Japanese people, uh, Hispanic, the Hispanic community. Are you kidding me? Like, love them for their unity. Like, they will love each other thick and thin and be passionate about it. But with us, it's like, I think we get so nationalistic that we forget that, like, it can start in your communities, which is why things like Tulsa were so successful pre-bombing, because of uh, the unity that we had within just the city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Like just, just think about Tulsa and then you look at like Atlanta. Atlanta's getting better. Um, but again, you look at those black meccas that exist and it's because you're making change in your own communities. And it's like, imagine that on a, on a magnified level, it would be better. But Matt, I see your point too, where it takes a big collective of people to do that. And it takes a generational collective to do that. And that's the yeah. difficult part for us now. And I, and I think, you know, they always say, like, Black people, we're the, we, we're the most consumers in everything. Like, we buy up everything when it comes to sneakers, clothing. Like, we spend billions of dollars, you know. Now, if we were to say F those big companies like Nike, um, Gucci, all those companies, right, that are not Black-owned or anything like that, mm-hmm. we'd be, they'd be losing a lot of money. They need us. We don't need, that, that's the thing. We don't need them. Yeah, you know? I think that like six hours the black dollar circulates for like six hours i want to say it is yeah that's um, it I think it's like 14 days for our, our white counterparts i want to say and it's like dang yeah. we money for nothing like what the what i don't understand like it, it's just my i'm blowing it's just mind blowing sometimes we look at the numbers you know the statistics and it's just like we really are a powerful group of people a powerful race but we don't know how to utilize our power in an effective way yeah, I mean, we're only 13% in the country, but we're a very, very strong 13%. Yeah. That's why even going back to the to President Biden's election, like they needed the black vote to get him in because other than that, it was <sighs> President Trump again. And then if you actually look at the statistics, like I don't know if y'all remember, but like Georgia really made that happen. But who lives in Georgia? Black people. There, there are, of yeah. course, like white counties. And that's why it's been such a um, statistically and historically um, blue. State, yeah. yeah, blue state, I want to say it is. Yeah. Oh, black yeah. So it's like we really have an impact um, with our numbers and things like that, even though we're looked at as a minority. But it's just how we yeah. like sometimes irritating. It's like guys, we don't have to have all the Jordans all the time. Like, don't don't get me started on politics now, because I'll go forever on that. So look, I talk. I'm low key. I'm not gonna say I'm apolitical, but again, I just like to say I like to stay politically informed. But I don't like to claim a side or anything like that. I just like to be yeah. in the outside world, but. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I always I always tell people, like, when it comes to politics, you know, vote. Don't mm-hmm. look at, like, Republican, Democrat. Vote for whoever fits your morals and whoever fits your bill and whoever's going to fight for whatever you need to be done. You know what I mean? Because when you stay to that one Democrat, Republican, or whatever the case may be, then it's kind of like if they start doing things you don't like, then it's like, all right, dang, I got to back this candidate the whole way, mm-hmm. but they're doing things I don't, I'm not comfortable with. So. Oh, yeah. oh most definitely. So India, what's um what's a typical work day for you? Like what's a typical day in the life of India? Ooh, um typical day in the life of me. So 
uh, wake up early for sure. I started this new thing. Jesus, <laughs> help me. I started this new thing where I'm waking up at five o'clock in the morning. Whoa. Whoa. First of all, you know, it's no, but that's good. That's good discipline. That's good discipline. And that's what it's for, right? So again, like, and this, and so it's so interesting. So July is my personal um reflection month because my birth is in August, but then November is my personal or not my it's my business reflection time. So I look at like I do literally a strategy planning for my set for myself. I go to a hotel, I put up poster boards, all that good stuff, and think. Um, but I kind of started pre-implementing some of the things that I know I wanted for the new year, right? Because I don't do the January resolutions thing. I don't do that. But anyways. Um, I start waking up between five and five thirty in the morning, um, and then after that, so I wake up, pray, do my verse mm. day, all that good stuff, do my affirmations, and then um, I get my cup of coffee because I need Jesus and coffee in the morning. <laughs> Amen to that. She's pretty if, if I don't have no coffee, but no. And then after that, I look at my time box for the day. So when it comes to my clients, I pretty much look at what's upcoming due, what's due that day, and then what meetings I have. And so I just make sure that I'm prepared for those meetings and make sure I've done my part as far as the prep goes. And then I also have just time blocks throughout the day of when I have to do items. Um, and so with the three main things I do for my clients are travel bookings, uh, content writing a lot, and then I do um, like just general admin stuff, like answering emails, FAQ stuff like that. So I pretty much plan my day around like the peak times I know folks are going to contact me um and then I do my writing times in the afternoons just because I feel that inspired and everything and so yeah in between that yeah just I'm trying to think in between that I'm probably listening to a podcast or something like that um I definitely have my little study music going on too and then um after work I chill I'm cooking at home more um way way more which is nice and then depending on if I have a rehearsal or not I'll go to a rehearsal or something like that but other than that, just relax myself and just decompress, um, read a book, all that good stuff. So that's kind of like a day in the life of me. That's like the short version. Wow. So what podcast do you listen to? Do you listen to like motivational podcasts or just anything? Yeah. So <laughs> it depends on, on the category. So like literally, I have my love and relationships podcast, my comedy podcast, my business podcast, and then my um, my spiritual podcast. So which is normally like either a uh, it's a podcast or a sermon. So depending on my mood for the day or what I need that I, I feel I need, then I'll listen to it. So like, I love Kev on stage and stuff like that. So if I need a good laugh, I'll listen to his stuff. Um, or if I need uh, inspiration, I'll listen to a TED talk or something like mm, that. Yeah, TED talks are amazing. Love, love, love TED talks. Yeah. Um, it's one of my dreams to go to TikTok, uh, a TED talk conference too. Like, I Yeah, they, they usually do them in California. Yeah, I want to go to one so bad. Like I just yeah. don't ideas and invention I love that or innovation I love that um and then um I listen for as far as like business podcasts and stuff like that um it's definitely like how to do finances in your business because that's one area of my business that I'm still learning now like as far as like quarterly taxes and annual taxes and you know how to basically um systematize my financial part of my business and stuff like that and then of course like just how to become a better um content writer and things like that so it's like either a lesson or it's a podcast on how to do things better in my business and then as far as motivation I love a good um what's that um um, I think it's called Girl, Girl, Stop Apologizing, like, like books like that, like, um, uh-huh. that, and then, you know, just in life and all that good stuff. So it really depends on the day because I don't like to stick to one thing, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm. I so, like that. I like that. So on, on the business side, right? Like, what's next? I mean, you have... You know, you, you you have your own, you know, your your own business now, right? Your your consultation services, if you may, right? Um, what is going to be next for Miss India? I mean, do you plan on having, you know, folk folks working under you or you know what I mean? Like have some assistance. Like, look, girl, I'm a little swamped today. 
I need you to do Johnny Appleseed's, you know, resume and you know what I'm saying? How, how does that, what, what's next? What's going on? Uh, I would like to. So um, there are a couple of certifications like in my industry that I want to get. So I want to become like a certified project manager and a certified OBM, which is online business manager. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely do that and branch into that. I do I want to have a team. I want to have a team, but I don't think it would be a big team because I like to keep my, my services so personalized and you feel like you have access to me, you know, within yeah. business hours and all that good stuff. I would say probably a team, a team of like two or three just to like manage client workflow and stuff like that. And then um, i trying to think what else. Oh, and then just as far as like uh, my brand, I want to expand my blog. I currently have a blog right now and then also expand my YouTube channel as well. So I would say those are like my immediate things like in the next one to three years that I really want to expand upon. Okay, so what's on your what's on your YouTube channel? What do yeah. you put out what do you do? this world? <laughs> <laughs> okay so so it's two parts so um it's a lifestyle channel so i so it's really traveling lifestyle channel i'll say it like that so in my dream dream world i would be doing like talk back style videos pretty much like this either with guests or just um you know whatever's going on well, like talk back style like 15 to 20 minute videos but i would be either like i don't know doing some i don't know just talking back like just like this or like let me know what y'all think in the comments and stuff like that or i would be doing um like a get ready with me type thing but here's the thing about it though i'm i am a makeup girl don't get me wrong i am a girly girl like today i didn't wear makeup but i normally buy my boom it up but i'm not a makeup beauty guru channel but i would i would do a get ready with me but really listen to what i'm saying you know what i'm saying so sure. i would do that but then also what i'm currently doing now which i really want to expand upon is actually travel vlogs so um i love 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 the travel like that's one of like my first loves ever and i think that travel is a beautiful privilege that i don't take for granted because i know that it really is a privilege mm-hmm. so i would definitely do um, more travel vlogs and stuff like that so that's currently what's on my trap my um my channel i went to i went on to spain or i went on to spain i'm going to spain i went on a cruise that was fun i vlogged that and then i just uploaded a video last week about my travel solo vlog to Chicago. So that was cool too. Oh, wow. I'm gonna have to tap into that because yeah. I was just talking to somebody about how I've never really explored the Midwest like that, especially a place like Chicago or yeah. Detroit. What happened? Oh no, Chicago's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I want, I want to see it. Hey, I, I really want to see, you know, the, cause I don't like being in the city period. All right, mm. but you know, if I do have to go, I want to do a, you know, a good bit of sightseeing, and then you know, get me out of there. You such know? a southerner, such a southerner. Yeah, yeah, get me out of there, bro. I, I... You can tell, and it's so it's so funny because I like a mix of both, and that's I think that's the thing that I guess makes my YouTube channel different. Like, I'm not a clubber. Like, I'm not boring. Don't get me wrong. I I'm at a club, it's because it's somebody's birthday, and I only got about six good friends in life. So you probably see me at a club about five, six times a year. So for me, I actually want to see a city for what it is. I like museum tours as long as you allow me to film um, in there. Other than that, I respect the privacy of the of the um, of the place. But I like libraries. I like architecture. I like things that made the city what it is, what it is. And I love that um, when you go different places, there are some things you're not going to find anywhere else. And I just love that aspect of it. So that's the type of things I want to capture my channel as I make memories for myself and then decide to share them with the world you know but no Chicago is fantastic I've been there twice and I actually got to see both the city and like the suburbs and stuff like that too oh, wow nice. yeah, it's- did you go to O Block 
No, I didn't. So here's the thing about Chicago converting. <laughs> I need to go back there multiple times because I still haven't had Harold's Chicken. Haven't had that still. I heard um, it far. I have not been mm. to Millennium Park. I well, actually, I'm I'm halfway line. So I went to Millennium Park, but it was at nighttime, and it was um this was like COVID was like the world was kind of opening back up, so Millennium Park was closed. So I went to the place, but I couldn't physically walk up. So I was like, well, I guess I went, but I didn't get the little bean picture, nothing like that. So I got to go back to Chicago again just for other sightseeing because there's a lot to see. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, look, yeah, I'll be having like moments. I'd be like, wait a minute, but go ahead. You were saying? It's yeah, that it's English that you're a minor in English. That's what's, that's what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> word. Ooh, oh, I need you to know the difference between your, your, and your, there, 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 which, which, where, and were. What's Ooh. the difference? No, I mean, like, you know, when somebody texts you and they're saying yeah. going to the store and they use Y-O-U-R instead of Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Oh, I have to autocorrect in my head. It's just bothersome. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm a huge, I'm a huge looking for grammar, too. You know what? I'm a little bit of a grammar police officer myself. I hate those type of people. Yeah, because I be getting on his ass sometimes. We're cool with I'm, each other. No, I vibe with you. I love your energy, but it's like, when, and I'm sorry, Smooth, for cutting you off, but like when I'm texting somebody, I'm not I'm not writing a dissertation or I am texting you just informal stuff. Like, oh, hold you, on. go Wait. ahead. No, go ahead. You go. <laughs> okay. If I'm texting you, I'm very informal. Like, okay. you're like, yo, bro, what's going on? What's good with you? Da 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 da. Yo, bro, you forgot to put a comma after yo, and you oh. got to put the period. Like, yeah, nah, because bro, I bro, want bro. clarity, bro. And 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 he's that type of dude too. He's that type of dude because you'll text him if you misspell one word, he's on your ass. That's okay, 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 okay. Bro, right. I like when reading something that flows. Like I like, like understand. I'm a reader. Like I'll I'll send him. So I'll text him. He be like, uh, buddy, hey buddy, I'm gonna need you to go back and just recheck that real quick. I'm like, you okay? So let me ask you this: Do you do um? Do you use uh, voice messages? Like, give an iPhone. Give an iPhone. Yeah, yeah. So do you use the voice messages on your iPhone? Yeah, well, sometimes, yeah. Okay, because I was going to say, I, in my experience, um, folks who aren't as grammar savvy just use the voice message instead. Um, but no, but Jay, you might be worse than me because I, okay, mm, I, you know, you know the only person in the world who I correct, and I love you if you're listening, <laughs> my twin sister. Guinea <laughs> pig in my catalyst, but but we did that for each other. And when I was in, again, when we were in high school, and we got our phones. We thought we was cool with our flip phones. Oh, you couldn't tell us nothing. But she would misspell. I would put an asterisk. Asterisk. T h i r e. Is that what you meant? And she'd be like, "Stop freaking doing that to me." And, like, <laughs> if you're not, and I would say, "If you're not going to talk to me correctly, you can just not talk to me at all." And that was uh, that, that was hilarious. My grandpa. She's like, "You know what? You know what?" And she wouldn't talk to me for a half a day, and then she. She'd be like, see, that's, that's why she had to put you to work on them papers. She did. She would get mad at me for like something like that and then not talk to me for like two hours or whatever because we never had any real people. Wow, so petty. Oh, petty. Then she'd be like, did you finish my paper? I'd be like, oh, your paper is due tomorrow? Hmm. So wait, who's your twin sister? So my twin sister is a lovely young woman named Talia. And oh. Fantastic. She happens to be related to two out of three people on this, mm, yeah, <laughs> on, on this podcast. But yeah, no, it was oh, it was bad with her. She'd be like, uh, "Did you finish that paper?" And I'd be like, mm, 
it has it's correctly uh correctly grammatized too so yeah no i'm gonna i will say i'm not like jay though i don't i don't do the asterisk no more i don't do the asterisk no more and i don't do that just yet but i am i am secretly like why are they using the wrong your the wrong there we were going not we were going oh yeah i'm secretly like but you know what i do it (laughs) because I expect excellence out of them. That's what I want, all right? I want y'all to always be on y'all game, right? You never know when somebody might pull up on you. Hey, look, cuz, I need you to type this paper up. And if you do this, grammar free, 100 grand right there. Bruh, I'm training. That's never happening. It's never happening. I'm training, y'all. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest, right? I support the spirit in which you come. Yeah, I don't because... (laughs) I have an, I had enough of writing and all that. I I, I went to graduate school, so I okay, writing masters in masters of science in administration of justice. Not and then what'd you do your um your dissertation on? We didn't have to do a dissertation. Oh, you did a capstone. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have to do a dissertation, but I will say that um, it, that was a lot of writing in my life, and I. And even me, I'm pondering law school, and I'm like, I ain't, I don't know if I could do that much, that much writing, man. Because you know, one uh, L is all reading, writing. All, yeah. That's like the weeded out year or whatever. But ooh, law school. What kind of law do you want to? Do you think you want to practice? Um, probably criminal. Ooh, prosecute. criminal law. Uh, I think I'd be a good defense, uh, defense attorney, public defender. Now another, another I love that type of stuff. Go ahead. Nah, because the crazy thing is, because it's like. At the job I, I, I do, like I, I work in probation, so we okay. argue with um, public defenders all the time because we're arguing on behalf of the state because we're submitting a violation. And yes. Yes. I, I like that. I like that banter back and forth. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like that. I like the argument and then trying to bring up, um, you know, evidence and everything like that. That's that's the, I like that stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been I've been recently doing this thing with my dad specifically because I am like my father. We talk a lot. Guilty. But when it comes to like strict, direct answers, I literally go counsel. It's a yes or no question. And then <laughs> I ask my question. He'll go, Brown said, ah, ah, objection, ah, objection, uh, relevance. And he will he'll get back to the point. That means dad, get back to the picture. And so now I find that I use that all the time. Like, uh, objection, relevance. And if it's not relevant, we just go on from there. Wow. Uh, yeah. It sounds like y'all have an amazing relationship. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing. the best years thank jesus but it's 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 been a journey but we're we're definitely at the mentorship part of parenting you know um as opposed to the do what i tell you to do part of parenting but that took a lot that took a lot like i mean the past like like corona actually corona taught us taught us how to have a good like father-daughter relationship because wow at that time i was like 24 and he was still like what are you doing who you like i'm like dad and i really was like dad stop like you gotta chill on that like first of all like I'm not 12 anymore like I know you see me as 12 years old forever and at the at the pure at the root of that that's pure and cute and that's fantastic but at the same time you how can you respect me for the young woman I'm becoming if you don't see me as the young woman I'm becoming Mm. I'm trying to Mm. become great and on top of that I'm trying to become the young woman you taught me to be so how can you get mad at me for blossoming when you planted the seed Mm. And I was, he just looked at me and I was like, yeah, I got you, didn't I? And he was like, and that pretty much not shut him up, but that like, that started the transformation. And so now he's a little more apt to have conversations. And I'm like, dad, like, 
Sometimes I need to consult with you. Sometimes I want to talk with you. And sometimes I need direction, but sometimes you gotta let me figure out as the adult I'm trying to be. And so, yeah, now, wow. now we ate some cool, we cool in, you know, cool in the uh, other side of the fan. But for a long time, it was like, what I say, what I say. And I'm like, I'm not gonna. God, I hope I don't come that father if I be, if I'm, I have a daughter. I mean, it's, and the thing about it too, I feel like father daughter relationships are, this is why they're so important, especially in the black community, but because it's, that's the first relationship you have with a man, like ever. Yeah. Like, so how he treats you, like it's gonna set the tone or set the bar, if you will. And you're pretty much going to, that's the first view, viewpoint of a man as, as a girl. So it's like, my dad, like he my age boom coon. So thankfully, like the men that I like, like whoever my, my guy out there is like a husband or whatever, then he would have to have some character traits of my father because of the high regard that I have for my father. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just come from my relationship now. But uh, yeah, it, it took a minute. It took a minute. And now it's trickling down to the other girls because I guess I was the guinea pig for all four of my sisters. And now he starts treating them differently because of what we talked about. But we had a huge heart to heart. Like it was like middle smack dab, smack dab middle of COVID and we had nowhere else to go but your room, my room, living room. Right. And, a huge talk and I was just like dad like it's our relationship has been weird because of the way you treat me and because of the way you see me like you you can't put me in a box like you see me in this box and you can't do that like who I show you is who I am today and on top of that I don't need you making your own perceptions of who you think I am because I'll tell you who I am like that's wow. the, like my dad thought I was just out now, I don't even know why he thought that like probably because again because I sing background vocals and I gig sometimes like I'm staying out late when it's like dad the show then starts at nine o'clock do you expect <laughs> me to be home at 9 30 but I had to explain to him I was just like mm. first of all you were doing the same thing because the thing about it is all the things that I've done my dad did my dad was a sound guy and he plays bass and he plays um keys like music runs in our family so I'm like dad you how are you gonna be like you need to be in the house at a certain hour I'm gigging that's the same thing you did before you had me like daddy come on now and so when we actually had those heart to hearts and it was a it was a series of of conversations it actually got us uh, very much so closer and so I'm grateful for that now wow so so uh, let me uh, let me spice it up a little bit right so you said that your father is the you're gonna want some traits for him for the man that you potentially see as a, a suitor. Absolutely. So what traits are you looking for in a man? Um, what, do you, what do you want him to bring to the table? Um, like those type of things. If you are looking or, you know, just asking, just to ask, you know. <laughs> Not Jagan spiced up like what's good. <laughs> no, I would say, um, I would say, um, God fearing for sure. Like on a faith base, I need us to I need us to have the same beliefs just because foundationally, like I need us to be on the same foundation. Um, leadership. My dad had he's a leader, like he's a leader. You can't take that from him. Like he's a leader, like just in every aspect of his life. Um, he's a leader. So I would say that for sure. Um, and I would say um, vulnerability actually is something that's really yes because y'all men be putting Mm. up this front Mm. Mm -mm -mm. no 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 this is where we disagree right here matt don't say no because you can't speak for every man understand well no no no. let's speak in generalities though i'm speaking in general i'm not speaking for the for the minority vulnerability so wait hold on so you think a lot more men are like vulnerable these days like like opening themselves up to females? No, no, no. So 
why I'm saying I'm saying no, right? Because when do when do you want your man to be vulnerable to you? Do you want him to be vulnerable to you the first day he meets you, or do you want him to be vulnerable to you six months, twelve months, a year into the relationship? That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Because if because if he's vulnerable the first day he meets you and says, "Yeah, you know, India, man, I, I just got a lot going on my right right now. I'm depressed. I'm this, that, and the third first day he meets you." He's unpacking a lot of stuff, and to you, you're probably gonna be like, "I don't, I don't know if I could deal with all this that's coming with this man." So mm-hmm. when I say, when I say, "No, no, no," to the vulnerability, I, I, I meant that to be, "When would you like that man to be vulnerable to you?" That's what I'm saying. Okay, okay, yeah. So, okay, to your point, Matt, I've actually had that happen on a first date. <laughs> I bet, <laughs> I bet. First, and this, and this <laughs> I tell I'm trying to tell y'all, my gift, like my gift will make room for me, literally. And I'd be like, dang, Lord, like, really? And so I've been on experiences when um, it's supposed to be us, me and you, and I'm hearing all about the crazy girl that you were with before me. And I'm just like, God bless you. Like right now, we're praying. We're not even on a date right now. I need to pray for you. Like, that's how serious it is. So, but, but here's the thing that I've learned about real vulnerability, right? Real vulnerability is a natural progression right? And that's different from you pouring everything out. Normally when folks are pouring out, it's because they've held it up so long and nobody's ever heard them. That That's just pouring out. But vulnerability, that's a progression of trust really and truly. Because if you think about it, the most people, the people that you're vulnerable with, you have to trust them first. Yes, that's facts. The information, you know what I mean? Um, and so for me, I think that vulnerability is over a progression of time. But I sometimes I've also found also in my, in my, dating, my dating chronicles that a lot of men like to put up this, I'm like Mr. Krabs lobster shell of a person and boo, I've known you for six months. And like, this is the part where it's okay to do what you need to do or talk to me or whatever like that. So, but again, at the same time, I think it's a natural progression. And right. as trust then I would like the vulnerability but I said that to say this like with my dad with my own dad some things it's taken him years to get vulnerable with me about mm. and I'm like, daddy if you want to tell me that like I this and this thing too I get I get mad at my dad for not telling me versus like telling me you know because we've had some very very deep like deep conversations I'm like well thanks daddy when was you gonna tell me that but when we had him he felt comfortable enough and right and that's the thing about it too like i'm not expecting that all in the first day i'm not expecting that in the first year because some stuff that's deeply rooted yep. you can't talk to me about it too you're right. month, like we year and a half and i know like i know for all purposes you ain't going nowhere so i can trust you with it so i think it's just a it's just a, a progression but i think that the willingness to be vulnerable is more important than just vulnerability off the bat because you're not right. going to tell your life story or all who hurt you when you were seven you're not going to tell me that within the first three six nine months you know mm-hmm. but um, but it's important because i i have also experienced people who are completely closed off and they're just not going to tell you and i'm like baby you need therapy babe. therapy and prayer and i can't no that's the, that's the thing that's what i recommend you know go to therapy talk to somebody that can help you with this stuff but you know being vulnerable to your, to your partner i agree with you it's a progression but you know you don't want to uh, expel that load because it's, it's a lot when you're dealing with somebody especially when it comes to someone you're attracted to and they have a lot of baggage and they're unloading it on you. And it's like, I got my own shit. I got to deal with, excuse my language. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I mean by that. Like, it's not, it's not a bad trait, but I, I don't want men to sit, to think that they need to be vulnerable straight off the bat. Cause then the woman is just not going to want you after that. Time and a place for simp hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, it's time and place for what? Simp hours. 
I'm not gonna play with you. That's, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. But I but I get it. So God fearing, um, leadership, vulnerability, 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 and then um, family oriented. That's like I'm okay. big on family. Like I'm big on family. So like I here's the thing. I understand stuff happens. I understand that. Like I that no family's perfect, including mine. Mm-hmm. So I, and at the same time. Um, I would like you to have a decent relationship with like your nuclear family, like, you know, mother, father, sister, stuff like that. You know, um, if there's a cousin you don't like, you only see him one time at the family cookout. <sighs> I mean, that's understandable, but, uh, but yeah, definitely, but just family oriented in general. Cause like, I, I don't really, um, like isolation from family. Um, just because again, I'm such a person, I believe in the village, you know, as far as long as they're good, loving, caring, and supportive and really for you that I'm for a village. So, um, but yeah, so I would say, I would say those are like the top things that I that have reflected off of my father that I really, really cherish just because I'm like, yeah, because I want those same things, you know? Oh, wow. That's, those are good traits. I, I, I agree with them all. I think those are something that you should find I mean, in a spouse. I'm simple. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really not complicated at all, especially in relationship. I'm like, well, life is going to life already. And I feel like if we have something cohesive, and we work on our little incubator relationship, everything else fall into place. Mm. I like that. And another, um, what's the word you was using the other day, uh, man? Anomaly. Another, another anomaly, yeah. It's another anomaly. The, the reason why I say that, Andy, is because, like, you know, we, we've had, like, a lot of women that we've interviewed on the podcast, and, like, sometimes, like, they just, they're, they're being honest, but I don't know. I mean, I'm just speaking in generality. They'll say, yeah, I want a man to do this, that, and a third, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, come on, you really don't want a man to do this and that, like, or either you're an anomaly, because it's not, like, every other woman is just not in that same mind frame as you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard that, I, I mean, and people have always told me I'm well beyond my quote-unquote years, and yeah. I'm really, they always, or at least my sisters and I joke and say I'm the auntie of the group for real, for real. Yeah. Yeah, probably just because, again, I, I've thought so hard since I was, like, eight years old, like, I, I guess because of what I was exposed to and like my cognitive dissonance, like kicking at an earlier age. So I've always been like forward thinking. So it's like, it don't bother me if you, I don't know. I'm trying to think where like, where, I'm trying to think what's something really, guys, oh, this is a good question for What's something really, what's something that we as women nag y'all about that it's like, really, you're making a big deal out of this? Yeah, um, doing um, tasks like dishes or... <laughs> Um, taking out the trash you know it's gonna get it's gonna get done it's gonna get done it's gonna get done so, yeah. so for that for me that's not a deal breaker that's not a deal breaker but like on a real tip like if you don't respect me or if you're not treating right that's that's actual i mean deal. yeah that's and, yeah but some people are like oh my god i can't believe you know this is that i'm just like i tell me i don't know I, it's just for me the stuff that holds weight that's supposed to hold weight let that hold weight right like, not the little stuff in between going on me i mean me and my twin sister were talking about that i'm like girl like she would call me i need to talk to you okay what are you talking about when you stop my emails what's up and we would talk and everything and I, I would always tell her this and i told first of all my as i speak to you i'm speaking to myself and i would say perspective is everything how you let's first of all let's stop let's validate your feelings because how you feel is valid it's right it's what it's your truth it's fine at the same time, let's look at things in perspective. And when it comes to the relationship in perspective, and when you stop looking at it from here and actually do a wider view and a, a macro view instead of a micro view, you'll see that what you're fussing about or, you know, uh, nagging, I hate that word, nagging, 
we fussing about is not really that big of a deal, you know? Yeah. But you're probably in a season in your life where that affects you in a bigger way. And that's the conversation that needs to be had. So like you mad at him doing the dishes. No, it might be that you feel as though he's not contributing to the relationship in a way that you would like him to contribute, which is the actual conversation, not the dishes. The dishes is the catalyst. See, I mean, I'm a, but me, I'm a big principle of the matter. I'd be like, okay, this is a specific thing, but what was the principle of the matter? And that's, that's how I like to, I guess, guide my relationships. When that's with everybody, though. friendships, romantic, family, et cetera. I try to guide it like that. And so we can come to a resolution, but if it's just something small, please, I don't hold on to that. That's why I say relationships, communication and transparency is key, man. Like, and setting oh. up, and setting up those boundaries and those rules in the beginning. Oh my God. Always gonna, it's oh. always gonna give you a, a nice flight, man. Yes. Oh my God. Today and yeah, and that's the thing. And I think people think that there are no boundaries in romantic relationships. And it's no, like there is. There are boundaries. Like you, no, have, you, you have to set them. Yeah. Like if you like, I I forget who I was talking to, but um, no matter of fact, one of my coworkers, right? Mm-hmm. Her dude, he had an Instagram. He was liking like female pictures and everything like that, right? Okay. Okay. A common twenty first century relationship. A, co- a common thing, right? And. Like his his um his fiance who I work with, she was upset about that. And I said, Well, did you tell him when but when y'all got together, like, hey, I don't want you doing X, Y, and Z. Oh no. Then how the hell that man supposed to know he's not supposed to do that? How, how do he how do like he... and I get it, common sense, like cheating and everything like that's a no-go, but stuff like that, that Instagram is entertainment. Like he he's not going and taking those women and bringing them home with him. It's just entertainment or whatever the case may be, but if you don't set that boundary, like, hey, I don't like that. I don't want you doing it. And how, how, what are you going to, how are you going to enforce it if there's no rules set? Exactly. And that's my thing too, because <clears throat> like talking about it, that then creates a responsibility and accountability for both, for both folks. Like I told <laughs> you, okay. And as a partner in this relationship or as a, a second party in this relationship, because it's two parties coming into one, I expect you to respect the boundary I would like to set within us. And then that then makes that person accountable. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Is the word of the day, you guys. And so that's another thing too. Like, and that's why I'm like little stuff. I'm like, yeah. But if you're not being held accountable about the parameter that the dynamic relational dynamic that we're creating, that's the issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. So hold on, let me let me ask a question. Cause I was talking to somebody earlier about this, and it, it kind of just I, I just want to get your perspective, right? I, well, I want to ask you, Andy. Um, is there is there a ninety day rule? Like do you do do women make men wait ninety days? Like is that a real thing? Okay. Because I'm gonna be honest, we're gonna get honest. Because okay, we've now entered my favorite type of talk, which is relationship talk. Oh my god, I'm just trying to understand y'all. But go ahead. Nah, ninety days. Hi.